0: Hey everyone, welcome to Blind Bargains. That's right, an actual show, a podcast. It exists, we exist, but this this is gonna be a little different. This is a barbecue bite about our computers, the kinds of computers we can buy, the kinds that uh, we can use, and better off than not, why we should actually do some things to the month when we get our brand new computers in our hands Hello everybody, it's Joe Steinkamp and along with me is Patrick Perdue Hey Patrick
1: oh, It sure is weird to be here in this capacity, greetings
0: everyone I know, this is so strange, it's 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 wild, you're awake, I'm awake, audio is happening I'm doing this in the morning just, and that's You know, to break this up Yeah <laughs> <laughs> To break things up We thought we'd bring on somebody who uh, is kind of not been on our program, but actually has a tie to the program. Alex Hall, how's she doing? Oh, wait. Hey, how's he doing? There's a long running joke right there. That's funny. Uh, Alex, how you
2: doing? I'm good. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, As you said, it's kind of neat. I think... Way back when you guys started, I remember listening to your early, early episodes, and you were looking for a name, and I suggested a name, and you uh, you liked it, so it's really neat to finally be on the show.
0: It's been good for SCO. It has been bad for spell-checking for years, right. <laughs> so if you uh, ever had an issue with the show and its title that is the person to blame i mentioned the ishii thing because i accidentally in ages ago went send your hate mail to feedback this, at
1: blindbargains.com.
0: changed alex's uh, gender on the podcast by accident and uh, one of one of my many mistakes that i make on this podcast what can i say it's a legendary one and we actually make these kinds of jokes behind the scenes a lot so i think it's really funny we're going to talk about computers and each one of us have had an opportunity to get a new computer recently, and we had to make those decisions while shopping during the pandemic. And that brought some unique challenges into how we approached it. It's the first time I've ever kind of sort of done it in a true virtual environment with no idea of what I'm purchasing other than reading reviews and things like that. And since Alex and Patrick also did the same, I thought, well, hey, we should sit down and talk about what it was like to go through that process, how we got it, and then what did we do after it? Because each one of us had some interesting experiences once when their computer arrived. Now, we're going to talk a little high tech here, so if you're not familiar with the way that the ideas of flips, flops, and nanometers, if that sounds like something you're not interested in, let us get this out of the way first. If you are new to computer buying or you're looking to replace a computer because of um, the new computers are really cheap these days, you want to go with something that's probably an OEM or original equipment manufacturer is what that stands for. So somebody like a Dell, a Lenovo, maybe not necessarily a gateway, even though those are back in the news since the brand has been resurrected over at Walmart.
1: Those are rebranded Acer's, by the way. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Go for something that has a generation. If, if you're familiar with Intel, we'll, we'll get into AMD in a second. But if you're familiar with something with Intel, go for something above 8th gen. So ninth gen would be good. 10th, even better. And at least, even if you're a screen reader user, at least 8 gigs of RAM. And don't be afraid when you see integrated video cards. I actually have a link in the show notes over at Blind Bargains about why integrated graphics are not as horrific as they used to be, because that's that's an old common one, is if you had a real slow video card, it actually would affect the way your screen reader worked, believe it or not. Okay, so that's a lot of information up front. We're going to take the rails and the runners off now and just really go at it. Patrick, you were looking at something that was specific for audio and audio production, and then kind of our production or entertainment machine as a secondary thing. Was that correct? That's correct. And originally, I was thinking, you know, I came from
1: the world of Mac OS and running Windows on a Mac, which, incidentally, I'm doing now to record the show because it was easier to grab the old laptop than the new one and and go upstairs. So I came from the world of uh, the MacBook Pro. Originally, I got a MacBook Air and then a smaller, uh, well, a larger and faster MacBook Air. And I decided to look at dedicated DAW machines for music, and oh boy, are those expensive. So then I didn't do that, and uh, decided to start looking at gaming machines, not because I'm a gamer, but because in a lot of cases, uh, gaming machines are already optimized for multimedia creation, as well as multimedia playback and entertainment playback. So that's kind of where I
2: started with that.
0: Alex, you had a different viewpoint on how you approached what you needed for a computer. Uh, Give us an idea of what your range was.
2: Yeah, um, quite, quite different. So I was looking for a machine that would be powerful enough to do anything I might ever need it to do. I wanted it to be able to virtualize some things, you know, run some virtual Linux instances and all that stuff. I basically wanted something I wouldn't have to bother much with for three to five years. I also used a Mac for quite a long time. I think 2011 or 2012, I started to switch over. When I got the job that I'm working in four or five years ago, they use Windows exclusively. And the more I, I did there, and then the more I started working from home, and especially now, thanks to the, the 2020 and the pandemic and all that stuff, I've been working from home exclusively. The 2020, yeah, that's a, that's a good description. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that basically said, all right, I'm using Windows all the time. So I may as well just not even bother with a with a Mac here. I'll just keep the old one for whenever I need one. So I went in the desktop direction, and I wanted it powerful enough, and I wanted it to do anything you could think of for a while. Sorry if there's background noise. That's Cosby's paws against the, the baseboard heating there. He's trying to get himself comfortable. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't get picked up. Hush, Cosby. So I went with Windows. I went with AMD, actually. We'll probably get into that here in a minute. I went with 16 gigabytes of RAM and a dedicated video card, but that's mostly because I already had one. And we can really get into the weeds about AMD's integrated graphics CPUs versus their non integrated ones and how they're actually different. But um, basically, AMD 16 gigs of RAM, the nice fast SSD, the NVMe ones, um, I've got one of those, video card, and a custom cooler as well, a third party cooler. So, It was quite the process. The building it was uh, quite interesting. I actually didn't go OEM. I went, all the parts were ordered off uh, Amazon and Newegg and I put it all together myself.
0: A brave soul in this day (laughs) and age. Mine is a Lenovo. Uh, It is a a 5i17H. And the reason why I state that is Lenovo does sell Intel and AMD-based processors. And the Lenovo 5 Series, is generally AMD. I went Intel, I I guess partially due to familiarity and partially due to the idea that I know how some assistive technology can sometimes work a little differently when it comes to working in AMD architecture in the past. So it, that that isn't current, but it's something that kicks around in my head because of previous instances I had with working with that kind of technology. And even the assistive technology makers themselves had to come around to working around with different instruction sets. There was actually a time where AI Squared and ZoomText were using specific instructions that were linked to Intel chipsets. And it worked against them actually in a way because you couldn't use something like a lap link software because they ran around the same kind of driver architecture. So those things kind of stay in the back of my head. And I had an opportunity to do what Alex did and go AMD. And I really thought, man, I could totally do this and make the jump and have a better idea to talk about it on the show and other things. And then I chickened out (laughs) and got uh, this Lenovo laptop I too went for the middle. I went for a gaming computer. And part of the reasoning for why I did that came down to the idea that I, I like Alex and others wanted to have that three to five year range. It had been a long time since I had chosen a box that I thought I could run with for a while. My surface pro two is what I had been using in a lot of cases. That's now become kind of my, my production computer for going out into the field, whatever we do that again uh, for these kinds of things. Field? Uh, What's I'd that? I started doing that. Yeah, exactly. I started doing that on the last couple of convention runs where uh, that was my Surface Pro 2 that was out in the field with me rather than this ancient Toshiba satellite that I had. These computers can be uh, really expensive when you start looking at things because there are really markets for lower-end Mid-end and, of course, crazy high-end. Also, that applies to desktops. If you're looking at buying from a computer maker like HP or somebody like that, you will see different lines, some that are designed specifically for business, some that are designed specifically for gaming, some that are specifically designed for multimedia or all-in-one. A lot of that comes down to what you're looking for in a computer. What are you wanting it to do? How long are you expecting it to last? Are you expecting this to be a system that you have in your house for, you know, five, seven, ten years like a car? Uh, Then you have to approach this in a way different way than you would if you were looking at something at three to five years. And that will drastically affect your price. So in my case, I knew I wanted a mid-level machine. I knew I wanted uh, something that was going to give me uh nice power, but not crazy power. And then when I settled on a make and a model, then I started to spec things out and there were things that I specifically wanted to have. And that was at least 16 gigs of RAM. Uh, I wanted to have that kind of memory boost in between. I have a couple other computers around here. Uh, that are eight gig. The surface go is four gig. And I really notice it when launching say edge or something else like that. So four gig is, is definitely something that I don't feel comfortable recommending for anybody. Age is kind of a minimum, even, uh, when you get into things like browsing on the web with screen readers, all that Ram matters, especially with jaws and other screen readers, they want to eat up as many resources as they can. And you'll read a little bit and we'll talk a little bit about this as well. On a number of clock speeds and cores, that wasn't as big of a concern for me uh, as it could be. But I wasn't looking to do something that would require like the things Alex does. Alex, you you mentioned that a second ago. What was your thoughts about uh, Intel versus AMD? And let's talk a little bit about how those things, well, let's be honest, Intel has been very stagnant and why (laughs) people are choosing AMD over Intel
2: yeah and i should preface this as well with um part of my free time is also technology so i you know follow a lot of youtube channels and podcasts and things so i'm i'm kind of deep into this world of the big two here so if i go too into the weeds or too detailed just stop me basically amd came out with what they call zen and zen isn't a processor it's it's more a way of designing processors if you will and it lets them do a lot of things that Intel can't really keep up with. So when they launched Zen 1 way back, I think it was 2017, basically it was better than Intel. And ever since then, Intel has been trying to play catch up. And Zen keeps improving, and AMD keeps releasing new new products that are better than Intel. This isn't to say Intel is bad. You know, It's not like every Intel machine is going to break tomorrow. Their products are still fine. They do a lot of... Of business in other areas, you know they're they're really big into servers even now with AMD's competition. But for me, anyway, I just wanted the processor that would give me the biggest bang for my buck, and as far as I can tell, at the moment, that is AMD. And of course, both companies are about to announce their newest, you know, Intel's eleventh generation and AMD's uh, what are we up to Zen three, I think it is. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But at the time of purchase anyway, AMD was sort of the, the way to go if you wanted to get really good performance for not a ton of money. Intels tend to be a little bit more expensive or a lot more expensive, depending on which tier of processor you're looking at. Um, so I just went with AMD.
0: The numbers are really crazy to follow along with. There are actual comparison charts that will. OK, so like in my case, I have an Intel 10,750H processor. Now, what does all that craziness mean? Well, 10 means it's the 10th generation chip. 750 means I'm an i7, and I'm in the mid-range there. And H stands for hexagonal, which is a certain type of architecture. There is actually a comparison chart. So uh, that compares to a 4,000 series AMD chip. This turned into a great big conversation between Patrick, Alex, and I on Twitter. And it was fun in June and July to have this going back and forth. We were trading YouTube links. uh, We were changing our ideas in mid-flight. We were having great conversations about what all this meant. I hadn't done research in this kind of area in a very long time, maybe since I was back at the state, in what chips and computer uh, parts I should choose. And uh, I got paralyzed. I will be honest with you. It was very intimidating to try and go into this world where people are trying to one up themselves on video cards and graphics and chips at a time where there's, you know, there's a little bit of upheaval like Alex was saying. And I said on Twitter, I understand why Apple was putting pause on Intel, because once when you start reading about the differences or the lack thereof between Intel eighth generation and 10th generation, uh, it really did give me pause on, well, does any of that matter to what I want to do? I mean, that's great that there's all this uh, power and that there's uh, all these leaps forward, but I'm I'm not really a big PC gamer, and I am not using anything in Adobe Premiere. So, will that affect me on a general day to day basis? And I ended up saying no, it it really didn't. I just didn't want to have ninth generation technology. I wanted to have tenth, and that turned out to be kind of a lucky break because. Uh, Lenovo was just announcing a new line of computers that were featuring those in their Legion line. And, uh, that opened up a great thing around July 4th. And that's when I dove in was like, oh, I found a laptop that I think I really like that has the specs I really kind of wanted. I can run with this. This will work for me. It was partially me capitulating to myself and saying, "I I could keep looking at all these numbers until I'm blue in the face. There will always be another one. There will always be a better one. And so I was chasing my tail and finally had to come to an idea of this is good enough based on what I want from a computer. Patrick, what made you come around to the idea of not building? Because you, you've built a lot of computers in the past. Why did you come around to going with a built-in option? Well, mostly
1: because I've become old, lazy, and complacent, and I really just can't be bothered anymore. That's really what it comes down to. I've I used to do this for a living. I used to build computers. I used to do this stuff every day. You know, both AMD and Intel. I got very familiar with the process. Uh, worked for a company that refurbished and built computers for mostly for low income folks. Uh, we we worked with uh, a lot of people with various types of disabilities, both in and out of the workplace. And so I got very familiar with that. And what it really comes down to is, I don't want to be my own tech support anymore. I've done that. I've done that for years. If something breaks, I just want to be able to say, hey, something broke, can you fix it? And <laughs> that's, that's kind of where I went with that. It I I did end up going with an option that does have at least some Expandability, a little bit of, you know, I can change out the SSD if I want to. I can add more RAM. And really, that's what I mostly care about these days. I also ended up going with 16 gigs of RAM. I would say eight is the absolute minimum anyone should have for Windows. Mm -hmm. And oh my goodness, if you're running Mac, you really just.
0: (laughs) <laughs> you need more memory. Whatever you can afford. You absolutely yeah. have to have an SSD. Or whatever you can find as a third party. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and just shove more RAM in that Get, Mac a, get as much yeah, RAM I as you agree.
1: can, uh, depending on which Mac you have. So, yeah, I also went AMD. And uh, the Ryzen 9 series just looks really, really appealing. And it's funny, right? Because I used to say, even a year ago, oh, my goodness, if you're getting a laptop, why would anyone ever want an AMD laptop? They ran hot. They just weren't very power efficient. And now they're everything that that isn't So, you know, you have better thermal throttling at uh, higher loads And that's one of the things that was kind of important to me Uh, I do a lot of stuff where the CPU gets pegged and it stays that way for a long time And my life is not desktop compatible anymore So I really needed something portable and something that was efficient This uh, laptop that I got is actually an Asus Zephyrus uh, What is it? Asus ROG Zephyrus G14 Which is pretty hard to find Very nice yes wow.
0: and uh yeah republic of gamers Rog. i had to look brog. that up when i was doing my research <laughs> yeah.
1: and it's you know it's meant to be really driven hard it's got a dedicated gpu as well and one of the things i like to do is both a benchmark and because i like what they're doing is world community grid which is a, a distributed computing platform for science uh, they're doing COVID 19 research cancer research uh aids research all that sort of stuff that that stuff uses a lot of power so eight cores 16 threads you can chew through 16 days of processing in one day so that's kind of nice plus all the actual work that i do and uh, so far it's been a pretty good fit
0: i am surprised that you went that way i remember saying that so on Twitter, I. but it kind of mirrored some of the same <laughs> reasons i approached it Alex, you were looking for more desktop than laptop Mm -hmm. because uh, of what you were looking at, but did you consider laptops when you were making your decisions or was it you knew what you wanted so to build it was the best way to roll?
2: Yeah, it was definitely the latter. I knew, so I've had a laptop for a few years now, a MacBook Pro, and it's mostly become a MacBook Pro desktop. (laughs) I just don't go that many places (laughs) where I need anything that's not my phone, maybe an iPad, you know, something like that. And that's um, how I killed my MacBook Air battery. It's oh, just really? stayed plugged in all the time. <laughs> yeah, I I try to, you know, cycle it, let it drain and then plug it in once or twice a month. I uh, I, I do my best, but I know my battery's not going to like this very much and it's a 4-year-old battery anyway, so it's it's not going to be a great machine anymore. But I knew because of that I was definitely going to go desktop. I've got a different a very very different keyboard that uh, a lot of people are kind of weirded out by it's all split in half and it's arranged all weird but i'm so used to it that i don't like typing on regular keyboards so getting a machine with a built-in keyboard wasn't really a priority basically just desktop was the best way to go so i ended up going that way looked for se- sales and deals coming out at the same time seals yep i looked for seals um i found some really good ones on what did i go with the uh, amd 3600 so i think that's the something out here. It's the seven, isn't it? Uh, the Ryzen seven series. I think so. No, yeah. yeah no, it's, it's a Ryzen
1: five series.
2: Yeah. So I went with the 3600 because I found I was like $60 off on a, an Amazon sale. So I grabbed that and that then dictated a lot of the other ones, uh, a lot of the other decisions. The only other thing that I had to figure out was the size. Cause most of the time when you get a desktop, it's, you know, a tower. It's really huge. It's got tons of space in there. I wanted something smaller, so I ended up going with a more or less cube-shaped case that's about 11 inches on a side, and that works out really well for me. It limited my motherboard selection some. I ended up having to go, of course, with the Mini ITX, but that still has one expansion slot, which is all I need. It, of course, supports um, all the other peripherals that I have installed, and it had enough ports for my use. So it worked out pretty well and it doesn't take up a ton of room.
0: Yeah, looking at years of manufacture doesn't necessarily help you because uh, you know, you'll know you find a motherboard that was made in 2019 but won't have a USB-C slot right. or, or mm-hmm. something really weird. So going with your gut and saying, I need this expansion or I need this ability or I need the ability to hook up a bunch of stuff to it uh, in case I get locked in, can really be a thing, especially in video cards, like uh, the ability to use a USB-C video card or the ability to have DisplayPort as an option can actually help your motherboard unload some of its video processing problems that it may run into as a bottleneck. And even as a screen reader user, and I keep bringing this back up, all of this stuff matters now because the video cards themselves have tremendous amounts of memory, tremendous amounts of resources. And that means that when you go to render something, or if you go to a website that may use some of that power, it's not stealing from the screen reader. You're not getting stutters when you open a window or have 42 Chrome tabs. It really does make a huge Uh, difference. It does. Your fan may go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) that That many pages open when searching for the equipment, Did you run into any accessibility issues? Did you run into websites where you were just like, well, I'm not shopping there? Or (laughs) was there any little uh, things that you noticed that were hard to make a decision about?
2: When I was shopping for the different components, as I said before, I kind of live in this space. uh, So I already knew a lot of what I was looking for. I didn't have to figure out what's a micro ATX versus an ITX, a micro ITX, all this different stuff. So going in with that knowledge helped but i mostly stuck to Newegg and Amazon, partly because I've already got accounts there, everything's already set up. And of course, you know, Amazon is Amazon. They're pretty good. Um, it's easy enough to find reviews, to find questions and answers, that sort of thing. That's basically accessible, at least on desktop or iOS. I'm not sure about other platforms. Newegg is, uh, well, they're okay, they're usable don't not use them just yeah, because I, I was going to jump in and say but. that
0: it's, once when you learn the way they kind of use their heading structure and stuff yeah I it agree it doesn't seem to be quite as good as it used to be it's not terrible
2: but I remember I using know. it years ago and it was better than it is it was and nowadays they have they kind of use those tabs so you've got to figure out oh description reviews you've got to choose the right tab and sometimes it doesn't seem to activate the tab you thought it would so that's always fun you know but that said they are specifically geared towards selling you computer stuff. So if you have to call them, that's still an option. Um, I haven't done it in quite a while, but I do remember placing an order or two over the phone with them before, and they're good about that. Again, it's been a while, so hopefully they still are. But really that and Amazon were my two big ones. When I chose the motherboard, which I'm almost certain was Gigabyte, and I I don't have it right in front of me here. Well, it is right in front of me, but I can't check the board. Device manager. Yeah. I'll see
1: it in there somewhere.
2: So I'm almost positive it was Gigabyte, but I bring that up because I actually had a couple questions about specifics that they didn't explain. And that, you know, they just said, review our user guide, which was, of course, an inaccessible PDF. But when I called them up, I actually got local. I think they're based in California. You know, it wasn't an overseas call center. I got really quick prompt service. The, The people I spoke to were really nice. They were helpful. They explained everything. You know, all I said was, I'm visually impaired and I'm thinking about this board. Can you tell me this and that? And they were happy to do it. I didn't end up needing this, but you know, I asked them about hooking it up when I got it, and they said, you know, if you just, you can just call us, explain the situation, and I'm sure one of us will be happy to walk you through where the different ports are. They'll explain to you, you know, what's where, where all these things are supposed to plug into, and and we'll get into that in a bit as well. But I'm really hoping it was Gigabyte because they were really really helpful. But even if it wasn't, I'm sure a lot of the the big board manufacturers. Are similar, you know. They will, they will help. Don't be afraid, even though it's now, you know, all email and web support and stuff. Don't be afraid to call people because it sometimes really makes a difference.
0: Patrick, you had some thoughts.
2: Yeah. So, just getting to the point that Alex made about the
1: motherboards and some of the orientation and questions about ports. I was very, very fortunate. The last time I built a desktop computer for myself, there was a local store called Entrex Computers. I hope they're still in business. They were awesome. I don't live in that area anymore, so I really don't know, but they were, you know, they were these were the kind of guys that would be like, "Okay, here's your case, here's your CPU, blah blah blah. We'll put this board in, we'll test it, we'll make sure it works. We'll show you every, you know, they they were cool. They showed me all the connection points. This is where the the headers for the switches, Our lights, button. the reset button, all that stuff. Because that's one major annoying thing that's always been when I've put machines together. Where do all these little things go? And I found when i was building one machine hp of all people did something really cool that i wish other people did they actually put all that in one big block of course you could only use right. it with their motherboards so that was that was kind of unfortunate but getting back to the uh accessibility of the shopping aspect i was actually i was all prepared to go with a lenovo laptop until the uh asus rog zephyrus g14 happened and lenovo's site kind of there are some problems with it, especially in the checkout process. You might know about some of this, Joe. Uh-huh. Um, so I was looking yep. at the P53, and the P53 is is a beast of a machine. You can upgrade that thing with up to three NVMe 2 SSDs. You can you can stick at least 64, maybe even 128 gigs of RAM in it, and it's meant to be user-serviceable. It's meant to be upgraded by the user pretty easily. You can swap out the uh, pretty much all the components, even the processor, if you... Uh, Really know what you're doing it's not that hard compared to other laptops and I did run into some accessibility issues on lenovo's website. I can't remember what they all were now, but I know that the the final checkout definitely had some issues. Many people have have uh, spoken about that. Uh, some people have been able to get around it I remember uh I don't remember who it was, but somebody said, "Oh yeah, all I did you know to get to that checkout button that final checkout button was I went into the you know the browser developer console and I went into the aria role thing and i <laughs> unhid this particular wow. thing so i could manually toggle this button that you can't see with a screen reader i mean you shouldn't have to do any of that that's just crazy <laughs> stuff
0: no and and i mean that could be an eye recall. that could be any number of ways of doing but yeah i agree yeah, it's and, great and that you know how to case, do that
1: but you know shouldn't have to
0: right and and uh this was a birthday present and so i came down to the the decision ricky was doing the process and ricky was like this is just ridiculous i'm i'm going to call And so she called to verify all of that stuff in the cart. And ironically, it was somebody in North Carolina who was working at the Lenovo Call Center. So (laughs) it turned into a conversation about, you know, what each one of us was doing uh, in the area. And it, it was like that. It was what we needed in order to get this one particular laptop, which was on hella sale. And it had everything that we were looking for. And of course, at that point, it was a a good conversation to have uh, because there were some options that were available that weren't necessarily happening on the website. Sometimes Lenovo goes into really good, deep discounts. They'll have a web price, but there'll even be more coupons that you might not know about that sales may actually help you with if you contact them. And that can be a big thing. You can also get around some of this by looking at Best Buy or B&H. Problem there is, is that you still need to go back to the website and cross check those promotions to see if it's cheaper there or if somebody's price matching. So you could find a really good price on something and oh, this website is so horrible. Oh, look, Amazon is matching it today. Mm -hmm. Well done. And that'll take care of that. Um, In a lot of cases, that will make life a lot easier. As long as you don't want specific options
1: that they don't have. (laughs) And then that's a problem.
0: In the case of um, the Lenovo, especially, there was a one hundred and forty-four, one hundred and forty-four hertz monitor option, and all the really cheap options were sixty hertz on the laptop. And for me, that that wasn't something that I really wanted. I wanted to have one forty-four or two forty if I could swing it. But I, you know, and some of that came down to magnification and strobing. And uh, with magnification that I still use on occasion, I didn't want to necessarily have my mouse kind of streaky going across. Uh, And that also plays into the video card stuff that I was talking about earlier. So there's a little bit of a dance that you do between all of that. And uh, yeah, the process can be very different depending on, on where this is. Now, lots of you are probably listening to this and saying, hey, I know of this You know, you tell them what you want, they'll build it site, right? There's a couple of those out there. Matt Campbell actually used those a lot. And so there are a lot of those sites out there too. Feel free to send them along to us, feedback at blindbargains.com with your favorite places that are like that or put them in the comment section in the show note for this particular episode because uh, it's good if you have those kinds of places that you like working with uh, that'll build it for you on specs and then send it over. But be sure to also ask, what are the usual <laughs> user manuals looking like? Because uh, you might run into what Alex did. And that's kind of why I stayed away from doing what Alex did, is I didn't want to play Sherlock Holmes with my system, like Patrick was saying. I wanted just something out of the box. And a benefit of that. All the new drivers. I had forgotten what it was like to have a new computer with new drivers. Oh, yeah. Which happened pretty, pretty often. So you bought your computer. You got your parts. Alex has built his stuff. He's got a soldering gun out. (laughs) He said all of it's arrived. Uh, What what was it like to unbox a new computer and put it all together? Was it like Legos, Alex? Did it all just snap into place? Uh,
2: Yes. Took 30 seconds. It was beautiful. No, not at all so the basics of building it aren't too bad and again this is coming from someone who has i mean i can see stuff but not well enough to actually do anything especially when building a computer my my vision did not play into this at all except to see if some led was on but even then that wasn't too helpful so putting the cpu in isn't too bad you have to make sure it's going the right way and i actually called uh one of the you know, the remote help services for that. He told me to put it in one way and that turned out to be the wrong way. So I'm not going to say which service it was,
0: <laughs> but...
1: Ah, understood. Yeah. 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 So it was that service. Okay. when
0: Yeah, that one.
2: <laughs> when you, that's how uh, you
0: ended up with not dual channel
2: RAM. Oh, I understand. Well, this was the CPU, which is even more nerve wracking because on the bottom of a CPU, on the top is just smooth metal and that's where you put your heatsink. On the bottom are many 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 pins and if one pin is even slightly bent you're done and you've got to get a replacement cpu i've done that before i i don't doubt it those things are easy to bend when you're putting these things in everyone says don't touch the the top don't touch the bottom grip it by the sides that is it and always put it in the right way well what i found was if you very gently lower it exactly onto the square it's supposed to go into if it drops straight in it worked. If it doesn't, you're not going to hurt it badly enough as long as you don't push it. You can lift it up, turn it 90 degrees, try it again. And that's what I ended up doing. RAM isn't so bad. RAM is just, there's a little notch on the side of the RAM that goes into the slot and you can feel where the notch is on the slot itself. As long as you line those two notches up, it's going to go. And if you push it, you got to put some force behind it to get RAM into the slot. If you push it a little bit hard, and you can kind of feel it rocking back and forth, you've got the notches misaligned, so you just turn it around, do it the other way, and you're good. Plugging in the power supply, the SATA cables, all that stuff was fine because none of those can go into more than one spot, and it's pretty easy to tell by how many holes or pins there are and what the shapes are, which goes where. So the power supply, pretty simple. Um, Video card, also very simple. That can only go in one way. You almost can't do that wrong. Where I ran into real problems, was hooking up the case headers as Patrick was talking about before. So, in most cases, you've got a couple little tiny wires for one each for your drive indicator light and your power light. You've got, you know, one or two for your power switch, one or two for your reset. And then you've got a bunch for your audio and your USBs that go on the front of your your case. Audio and USB, fine. Just like power supplies, there's only one place they can go more or less, not too bad. The power and the lights were not a fun time. I actually had to end up FaceTiming a friend of mine who has since moved away or, you know, I would have just had him come over, but he and I have built stuff like this before. Well, he's built stuff stuff like this before while I've been in the room. So I kind of knew what was going on, but he did all the, the really fiddly bits. I had to video call him. He had to look up the motherboard and the case manuals online to figure out what was supposed to go where. We had to, you know, all right, three in from the left. Now put it on the second pin down on the right-hand column. There was a lot of that for 45 minutes, but we got it done eventually. Yeah, and those things are color-coded. Yeah, that (laughs) didn't help me too much. No. But we we got it done. That was really the main part that I ran into. I can't do this without sighted help. Uh, Well, before we switched on anyway, but building it, everything else I was able to do on my own, it does help that I'm familiar with this stuff, obviously, but if you've never done it before, it's not as bad as you might think it is, uh, except for the case headers. How did you handle the thermal paste? I just uh, put some on there. You're going to get it all over your hands anyway. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, that's true. You know, I put some on, I guess, by how much. So, thermal paste is the interface material that goes between your heat sink, heat spreader, whatever it is, and the top of the CPU, that smooth metal we were talking about. And it comes in sort of like a syringe-looking thing, so you push the, the stem down, and that pushes the paste out of the other side. So I just kind of pushed it down a little bit. I usually put too much on, honestly. I could do with less, but I I figure better to overdo it. and you know, make sure the whole die is covered. Yeah, and I kind of trust the contact between the processor and the heat sink to do that, because you've got to screw the heat sink down really, really tight. So I just trust the pressure of that to push the heat, the interface material around enough That said, if I were to do it again, they actually do make thermal pads nowadays, which are made of a a material that basically does the same thing. And I've seen some YouTube videos where it's not much different from paste, especially if you're not doing a ton of swapping around, you know, you're not in a really high heat server application the pads might be better off, and I, I might be better off using those in the future. And I think I might go that direction when and if I build I've done another it one.
1: Both ways, and I prefer that. Except, of course, there's advantages to using paste over pads. Uh, there are certain times, yeah. you know, certain types of paste that actually perform better with certain processors and chipsets. And you know, there's a, f- I have run into the situation where I didn't quite get all the dye enough. This was back in the old AMD days, where you know it was pretty easy to fry a processor. And again yeah, a <laughs> yeah. processor. I found out. Yeah. So that that you got to be a little careful with regardless.
0: I uh no. <laughs> no. I'm glad I know you no, understand. You guys, I understand. <laughs> a a great deal um I, I it's beginning to make IKEA furniture construction sound a little easier maybe. I don't, I don't know. Uh circles and arrows on the back of IKEA IKEA's not so bad. The uh <laughs> it says it says you with the color coding oh i uh, have done a lot of that hmm. lately uh, <laughs> i've got a i've got a tv stand right now that's really great just nobody go near it and nobody breathe near it just, just <laughs> it's really doing great standing vertical the thing that i found that i wasn't prepared for was when i did get my laptop i wasn't really sure what it was going to feel like. I mean, I had read this about, Oh, it's kind of a plasticky feel rather than aluminum. And you know, the edge to edge screen and blah, 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 blah. I was looking for a full sized keyboard. And some of the things that people don't like about my Legion is some of the things that I love about my Legion full size keyboard. It's centered. Some people don't want it to be centered. There aren't a bunch of media keys on it. Awesome. The, you know, trackpad isn't as big as what some people would want. Also awesome. The One thing that I thought was really cool was that they had fixed from the previous line of Legion laptops, the uh, (laughs) webcam was on the bottom of the bezel of the screen. And so it looked up your nose hairs. That's (laughs) That's a dumb place to put it. To the top. (laughs) I know. I thought that was really funny. And it also has a shutter for privacy, which is kind of nice as well. But the keyboard feel and the track I lucked out. It feels really good. It's very springy. It has just the nicest feel to it. Yes. And having not gone into Best Buy or a similar store and run my hands over keyboards, I this was what I was really, really worried about. And I was pleasantly surprised. I was also thrilled that all my port management is really well placed. So I have uh, ports on either side for USB, depending where I want to put things. My headphone jack is easy to find on the left side. On the back is the majority of everything else. The charger, uh, the USB-C, my display port, uh, all my big time ports on the back, including Ethernet are, are back there and I don't have to see them or know that they're back there. That was just really a bonus. I was so happy when I saw that. And uh, the, the way the monitor sits is really good. And it doesn't wobble if I'm on the desk and it also folds in and out very easily. It has a very stiff hinge. I like that as well. And this thing may not be a desktop replacement, but it might as well be that in the fact that it's really big. Cause this is a 17 inch, not a 15 inch and uh the motherboard itself. I mean, this is like a plastic coating around a motherboard. Essentially it is very large It is heavy. Uh, So this is like 5.6 pounds, I believe. Uh, And that's the other thing is if you're going to get a laptop, look at your weights, look and see if they offer accessories like a backpack that'll fit your laptop because this one will not fit a standard backpack uh, at at any size for 17. So I thought that was really interesting, but I still wouldn't change. Uh, And also because I got a 17 inch, And because I got an internal SSD, I think I'm taking up two of my bays. So that prevented me from getting a bigger battery. And those were trade-offs you have to make. You have to sit down and say, you know, what are my storage options? What do I want? If I'm getting an SSD and an old platter style drive, I'm fine with my SSD being my boot drive, my Windows drive. Uh, So that doesn't have to be too big. Like 256, I could live with that. I don't need 512 on my SSD. And my big drive is my regular standard old hard drive. And, you know, that's a giant terabyte of data over there. And it can live with all this other stuff. So my Dropbox and all my stuff that's going to take up a lot of space is going to live over there on my other hard drive because I don't access it enough to really care. But that meant also that I didn't get the more extended battery. And that's okay for me, too, because my. I'm using this more again in the office or I'll unplug. So Ricky has the office if she has to make a recording and I can go live somewhere else with it. I'm not looking to be out of the general place that I would use this for very long. So those were my trade-offs as I approached my decision for a laptop. And when I got it and opened it up and ran my hands over it, it was just really, really fantastic. But I read a lot of reviews that comforted me before and after my purchase about what, it felt like what the styling of the laptop was and what people liked both good and bad about the laptop. And believe it or not, I actually watched a couple of YouTube videos that actually did fan tests. So I could hear what it was going to sound like under heavy load, or uh, you can't really represent speakers as well, but you can hear people say, okay, this is a down firing speaker. Uh, If you have it in your lap, you might hear that it sounds different than if you put it on a table And the way that that music is going to sound or the way that speech is going to sound on the laptop may change. So that's also a big part of it. Do you want speakers that fire at you? Uh, Alex, you and I talked a little bit about this on Twitter. Um, Dell had a thing where they're doing these audio and spatial audio where it detects your head. It moves the audio around you trying to simulate things. And you were relating that a little bit to your AirPods and the like. Um, What was the idea like? Uh, Were you going for a certain power supply or were you going for certain fans because you knew how noisy this was going to be? And what was it like once when you got it all put together?
2: I knew I wanted it to be as quiet as I could get it. So the video card that I've got is actually a passively cooled one, which means instead of having fans on it, it has a very great deal of copper fins that basically take the heat and dump it into your case. At first, I thought I'd be okay with just the CPU cooler and the passive cooling on the card. Uh, turns out, no. I actually needed to get some case fans to throw in the back there. So when I went to look for those, again, as quiet as I could possibly find it, because I knew, not often, but every so often, I would be doing things like this, recording things. And right now, the microphone, of course, is right in front of me. The computer is on the corner of the desk. Maybe... I'm so bad at distances, but I don't know, three feet away diagonally. So because it's close, because I don't have a place for it on the floor where it can be a little bit more out of the way, it had to be quiet. So my power supply is honestly kind of cheap, but I don't really hear it. So that's okay. The fans that I got, I believe are all Noctuas and those are supposed to be really quiet. Yeah. Yeah. I've been quite happy with them. Even with the now three total fans in here, I don't really, I can hear it, but I don't I'm not bothered by it. And people will say that Noctua does this crazy thing with their fans where they engineer them to be not silent, but even... harmonic. Them, the I think is the word. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, exactly. And it really does work. I, I'm continually surprised at how little I notice that fan versus other fans that are just as quiet, but are just irritating. So they, they do a good job there, like the
0: Noctua ones. Patrick, you have any thoughts about power supply, fan, and how noisy your ROG goes?
1: Well, as far as if you're building a desktop or if you're buying a desktop, a lot of your OEM power supplies these days are actually pretty not bad. There was a time when your power supply fan was, in a lot of cases, the noisiest component on the system. And there were, uh, I used to buy specific types of power supplies that were you know, meant to be. I remember at one point I actually had a completely silent power supply. I don't remember who made it, but it was, um, you know, nothing but heat sinks. And then the case was a full tower case, which kind of ended up being a heat sink. And then there was a push-pull fan sort of thing. And that was really great until it wasn't. And when it wasn't, it really wasn't. So, uh, you know, you got to make sure you have adequate airflow. Uh, what, What Alex said, Noctua fans are great. Uh, they're, they're expensive compared to other fans, but you yeah, pay for... When you look at their website, it's you never expected anybody to go into such great detail about these little spinning things that you don't really think about. They really <laughs> are the fan people. I mean, it's crazy how fan they are. <laughs> I don't really know a better way to describe it, but uh, they get into some... Fan of fans. They absolutely... They get into some really wonderful detail that you just don't think about, and then you're like, hey... I would have never thought of that because, oh, yeah, I don't engineer these things, and these people do. So it's, it's good that they thought about it, and I did.
0: How uh, noisy did your laptop get under load? Actually,
1: so the laptop I have has a Ryzen 9 uh, 4900HS, and even at full load, it's remarkably, with two fans, it's got a very nice cooling system. So the way it works is you have the, uh, the exhaust from the fans uh, on either side, on the left and the right? Then there's a pretty nice, uh, under the uh, at the very top under the monitor, there's a fairly elaborate heat pipe system and there are vents everywhere. So, you know, even when it runs at full, even the worst case scenario is way, way better than what I was getting out of my MacBook Air. You know, Steve Jobs called it the MacBook Air because he wanted it to be lighter than air and fit in a manila envelope. I called it the MacBook Air because it would go <laughs> and make a bunch of noise when I would put it under load. And even with this thing, I don't really have that so much, which is great. It runs, you know, looking at the CPU temperatures when it's maxed out and just absolutely, you know, pedal to the floor. It's still running at a pretty comfortable temperature. The, The keyboard on this is an interesting keyboard. So when I got this thing out of the box and I started looking at it, you know, before I turned it on, before I really started trying to use it. I was struck, you know, the keyboard, it's a 14-inch laptop, so it doesn't doesn't have a full-size keyboard. It doesn't have a numpad. That's not really something I care about anymore. I haven't used a full-size keyboard regularly in probably about eight years. So that isn't something that's a big deal to me. It is for a lot of people, and I totally understand that. So I started typing on the keyboard, and it's got really nice travel. But it's a you know it's a gaming laptop so the keyboard has to look cool and it has a W it has a dot on the W because you know ASW you know all those things gaming keyboard it has according to Melanie uh, my fiance it has a weird kind of futuristic font on the keys which you know doesn't bother me I can't see them but she's like ah man I couldn't type on this thing it looks really weird um, edge to edge with. All that stuff. It's kind of somewhere between a thin and light, and whatever the next step up is. It's like it's thinner than a old school MacBook Pro. It's a little thicker than my Air, but it's not much wider. It's so I don't know, maybe three point something pounds. So considering all the stuff it's got, it's really light. It's got a nice battery, which is good because there's only one battery option. Uh, I get about ten or eleven hours of battery life on a pretty moderate load, so that's nice. No real complaints there. Uh, one thing that really shocked me, though, was this particular thing does not have the six pack. Doesn't have like a lot of laptops. You have the function arrow keys for page up, page down, home, and end. No, this thing doesn't have that. It's got insert, it's got delete, <laughs> but it doesn't have. It, you're you're a blind person. You got to use those those page up, page down, home, and end all the time. Those things are crucial. And I'm like, oh crap, what am I gonna do? This thing just doesn't have it. Well, it turns out the 15-inch model, the one above mine, which interestingly, the 15-inch version actually had slightly less good specs. It had a slightly slower processor. The graphics card was not quite as good. You know, you pay for the screen size mostly. And I was like, oh, man, do I, do I you know get rid of this thing? I had the chance to. I, I bought it from Best Buy. Now, this is kind of funny because, you know, it used to be if I couldn't build it, I didn't want it except for laptops. Because I wasn't really in the process, you know, I wasn't really in the business of trying to build laptops. So that's just not something I was going to try to do other than customization from OEMs. And I never thought I would ever buy a computer from Best Buy. And I did because they were the only people selling it. So I had a return opportunity and then I said, well, you know, I really like the size of this thing. And other than this one, well, admittedly pretty big problem, I like it. So how can I make this work? And I did make it work with a combination of sharp keys and auto hotkey, but let me tell you, if anybody but me uses this computer, they're going to be really confused because of some of the key binding choices I had to make. (laughs) Let's see. Right control is the end key. Uh, Function delete is home, because, you know, that makes sense. I couldn't really find a better way to do it, (laughs) but so... If I were to suggest this laptop, I would say, get the 15, you know, make some sacrifices. You're going to like the keyboard better. But otherwise, I really like this thing. It's got the ports are, I kind of wish they were on the back like yours, Joe. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, it's on the left and the right. It's got two USB-Cs. It's got two USB-As that are all in the same place. It's got one USB-C on the right, one on the left. Headphones and power on the left. Uh, HDMI on the left, and uh, that's about it.
0: I uh, was really, really surprised by how wide my laptop was. Like I said, I love the ports and the way everything works. I'm glad that I didn't go with some of the things that were options on other laptops, like the Razer Blade series or something like that, where there's always this crazy lighting where you can make your keys glow or do all these other things. I didn't care. Mine comes with white lighting. Wait, you didn't under- want it to show messages on your keyboard. <laughs> yeah. So there's a light under the keyboard that'll make the keys glow. So you can look down at it and see what key you're hitting. I don't care. I, I've been a touch typist since I was seven. Never, never looked down at my hands. I had a very, very forward thinking, uh, VI teacher. And she taught me typing on a Smith Corona. And I came home one day And she was sitting with my mother and she goes, go upstairs and type me a letter. And I ran upstairs and I went to type and she had blacked out all the white (laughs) letters on my Smith Corona. So I had to learn for sure by typing and it was the greatest thing ever. So I started to, that was like my very first non-visual training was that. And uh, so it helped prepare me very well. And so I never really looked down at them. I still am using this old Dell plasticky, uh, external keyboard here and part of that is familiarity comfort and i can fast travel on them but i've forced myself at times to unplug everything uh and go type in another room because it is a laptop that's what it's there for and if i need to use it for what it was intended for i still need to feel like i'm not putting on a you know a, a a these are my tennis shoes. These are a pair of loafers. I only wear these for dress up and now it hurts my feet. You know, I forced myself to kind of get used to it and use it in my lap. Part of the reason, because Ricky really likes the keyboard. I may end up just losing my birthday present one day, but she (laughs) really liked having it. And um, so that kind of was like, wow. And she can type on just about anything. I mean, you know, she, she is one of those people that can type on her uh, new APH mantis, Move over to a MacBook and just do just fine. Uh, she just flips the laptop configuration in her head and just can roll with it. I am not one of these people. I'm one of these people that I, you know, learn a keyboard and I feel very comfortable with it, and I don't want to give it up. And so I have a couple of Microsoft keyboards around here, but they all are like okay. On when I'm on this Microsoft keyboard, I've memorized this because this is what I use when I type on my Xbox. It's that kind of weird thing for me. So but I like the uh, good bits about this computer, but here's some things I, I wasn't prepared for. So it has this power thing where you can cycle through different power functions with function Q. And that sounds great on the outset. It has a visual indicator, blue for its quiet mode, where it uses the fans less and ramps itself down, white for normal and balanced, and red for high load if you function Q, you have no way of knowing with a screen reader that you've entered those modes. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, you can actually go into the Lenovo advantage software and go in there and physically change it. But here's the other thing I found out. Uh, the Lenovo software works better with narrator than NVDA, And uh, I had to get used to using the software, which is extremely helpful, but also not always the best way to interact with things.
1: Yeah. The ASUS software is actually pretty similar. It's uh On the ROG Zephyrus stuff, it's Function F5 to cycle through the power options. And the same kind of thing. You have no idea which one you're on. And the software, the Asus software, is less than awesome with any screen reader. Fortunately, there's not a whole lot that you really need it for, in my opinion. Uh, Most of the stuff that it does basically just taps into Windows uh, power plan services anyway. So that's pretty much where I go to make all those changes. Uh, I did have... I did run into a situation where the MyASUS service kept wanting to update the firmware for my keyboard, and I couldn't find an accessible way to do that. It would, you know, it would come up with a prompt that says, hey, there's a new firmware update, and then there was an update button that I eventually found, but then there was something that, after pressing the update button, I just couldn't, you know, I tried it with Narrator, I tried it with NVDA, with OCR and I could see almost everything I needed except for that one crucial thing to make it actually go ahead and start updating. So that was one thing I ran into.
0: You can search for specific firmware for individual parts, but then you have to go navigate the website of that particular company, and that can be good and bad. Dell has, for some reason, always been very good about that and that you can find specific parts to your laptop and update specific portions of your hardware the thing that you and I talked about briefly was because it's a gaming laptop, you get all these little gaming things that would be very helpful to gamers. In this case, Dolby uh, has some... Turn, it off. I, I <laughs> Turn it off! ...atmos for uh, gaming. I already have Dolby Atmos because I had it on my Xbox, and so I can actually use that through the Windows Store on 10 different devices. What I didn't realize was that mine... Uh, from lenovo came with its own and so it was double updating dolby and one would cancel out the other and therefore i would no longer have sound (laughs) and so that was
1: that took a little bit of troubleshooting guess what happens when you have two sources that are completely out of
0: phase from each other (laughs) yeah anyway (laughs) turning that off and learning what it was and having Ricky jump on with a braille display to troubleshoot once. And it was, you know, because the screen reader worked just fine. There was just just no no sound coming out of it. Yeah, And that was was really interesting. Uh, I've seen it with Lenovo where it will update software in the background, but it also triggered that Windows 10 update thing where you uh, have optional hardware updates and you have to kind of make sure that you go in there and put checks in and let it run with that. The
1: ASUS stuff has all that, which is great because the Asus updater is not really very cool, so I
0: don't have to use it. Yeah. The only problem that you could run into, and this brings Alex back into the conversation. Alex, hmm. OEM updates or do you go with the ones that came with Windows? So that that's always the downside, right, of any of this. It happens to both, you know, Patrick and I on our on our laptops, but What I've found in the past is when you build something like that, you have to be a little bit more driver management careful to a point. And and I
2: was actually going to say, you do not get out of this. If you don't go OEM, I ran into what's that stupid audio software that, that is not accessible at all, but that everyone seems to love so much. Um, Some driver, some, I want to think of it like two hours after we're done here, (laughs) but whatever it is, it's not only not accessible, But it responds immediately, so if you're on a list of sound sources and you don't realize it, you arrow, well now your sound is gone and you don't know what you did. So I too had to end up taking a braille display and trying to figure out what to do, uh, restarting a lot of times. So drivers are are interesting. When you start with a motherboard, as I did, it comes with a CD, but let's face it, none of us are going to use the CD these days. So you just hop onto your motherboard's website, and you search for your particular model, and usually there's going to be a list of drivers um, or some way to get to that list, and you'll see things like your built-in Wi-Fi and Bluetooth or your audio, your serial Ethernet. There's all kinds of different components that can have drivers. Usually I will just let Windows do whatever it wants. Windows 10 especially seems to be pretty good about drivers, but for anything else or anything that the website still says that I could update. I'll just go ahead and install the manufacturer's drivers. Usually that works fine. And I will say I had an Intel machine before this, a NUC, an NUC, and I ran into a lot of situations where I would install the driver update and the entire installer would be completely inaccessible. So I did have several, I recalls for that to, to try to resolve those as well. Here, not so much. Maybe I'm just lucky. Maybe it's Gigabyte does a bit better, I I don't know, but I didn't run into any driver difficulties after I figured out that I had to go to the website of the motherboard, go hunting, find all these things, and install them. Nowadays, things are running well. I haven't honestly checked to see if I'm up to date, though, so maybe I'm behind, and maybe something will break one day, but for the moment, we're, we're pretty good, and in general, as I said, Windows 10, of all the ones, seems to be the best at managing drivers nowadays, so I don't have to as much.
1: I had that problem with a Dell laptop. Actually, you mentioned the audio thing. I have a Dell Latitude with uh, Wave Max, Waves Max. That's what it's called. The way it installs that driver is it makes it pretty useless. And the uh, driver has a basically inaccessible control panel. And it sounds horrible and it makes your speech all unresponsive and stuff. And there's really no way to turn all that stuff off accessibly with any screen mm-hmm. reader other than just changing the driver out. So I've done that. And. You know, you go back and forth, and then Windows Update comes along, and here's this new driver again, and you have to do that. I had to I had to go into the registry and do some very specific things to make that particular driver never update, so that's another problem. I fortunately don't haven't had that with this Asus
2: laptop or my MacBook Air running boot camp. Audio but, can be really difficult, though. Like uh, now, I think even with the driver that I've got now, if I plug something into one port or the other, because it's desktop case, so I've got audio in the front and the back, the sound it'll source come up will with that switch. little yep yep that little thing that says hey do you really want to use this new port yes i do well the problem is until you hit yes you don't have speech so it's just a lot of weird things like that that you know if you're on a laptop you don't have to worry about as much cuz you've only got one audio out
1: well yeah maybe except some laptops have a digital out <laughs> and it'll go out of the hdmi when there's nothing connected true. so you still have the That's same true. problem
0: good point a usb external audio source is, is a good friend to have when things like that happen. I had a an old, old sound blaster USB with a <laughs> RCA on the end of it. Wow. And that's how I ended up troubleshooting was it went to that sound source instead. <laughs> yep. I could go in and change the things that I needed to while still having a speech when uh, Ricky was not nearby with her braille display. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I ended up. Oh, I could do this. Oh, this will make life so much easier. The, Other thing is, how did you get, if you didn't necessarily have a CD-ROM on this machine, and of course, in 2020, why would you consider one? (laughs) uh, How did you flash Windows onto your hard drive?
2: I didn't directly. So what I did instead was I made a thumb drive or USB drive installer, and that was pretty easy. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but you can basically just take the most recent version of Windows 10, do a, a thing that sets up a thumb drive to be an installable drive, and then as long as your computer is set up to boot from USB first, which almost all of them are even now, you just plug the thumb drive in, then turn on the machine and Windows will come up and it'll start doing its thing. And all I did really was just wait a couple minutes to make sure everything was doing whatever. And then I hit the narrator keys and I got speech. So I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think if I had narrator during the actual install or if it was only the setup. And and Joe, you might know better. You're way more into Windows than I am. It works both ways. But even if, does it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because obviously, I've only ever done this once. But I, I I've believe I've done it I way too many times. That point. So that was a pretty accessible operation there. That wasn't too bad. Where I really ran into problems was BIOS, which is basically the sort of the pre Windows operating system that every motherboard runs, and it's where you set up, you know, virtualization and really detailed power stuff and fan curves and all this stuff that a lot of users never have to worry about. Except if you do have to worry about it, you uh, have to find a way to make it work. So what I did at first was of course, hook up the monitor, video call someone or call Ira or Be My Eyes or someone like that, and just hope they could see the screen well enough. I've since discovered a thing called Tiny Pilot, which is basically a kit that you can get, and it's an adapter and a Raspberry Pi, and some cables. And pretty much what it does is acts as your, I guess, go-between. It will let anyone on your network view your computer screen and issue commands. So if you have, say, a secondary machine, a laptop, something like that, you hook this tiny pilot up to your primary machine that you're trying to get to work. You go to an address on your secondary machine, and then that secondary is basically acting as the monitor and the keyboard for your primary. You don't even have to be in the same room as the primary machine you're working on. So you can either give that to a friend or you can have your IRA person or whoever it is uh, help you through that. And it can be a lot simpler than trying to, especially if you're someone like me who doesn't even bother hooking up a, a monitor, it's a lot simpler sometimes to just have another machine in a different room or you know, maybe an iPad, something like that, that you don't have to worry about hauling the monitor over, finding another plug. Was it HDMI or DisplayPort? How do I hook this up? Is it on the right input on the screen? Because now I can't see that either. It's this tiny pilot thing is actually pretty simple and it does make life easier. At least I found for BIOS configuration.
1: When I did BIOS years ago, I used to have a Braille printer. You Remember when you could press up, you could hit the print screen key and it would do a text dump out of the parallel port. So I would go into the bias with my Braille blazer that somebody gave me when I was in high school, and I would print out whatever page I was on, page by page, and uh, r- hope I was adjusting the right. You know, you, you could see the top level stuff, <laughs> and you could see every page that you were on if you printed it out, and just you know hope that I am adjusting the right thing to the right value. That was a uh, a, a multi sheet pane is what it was, a, a wow. tractor fed multi sheet pane, but you know you can't do that anymore so it's it's good that that's an option even if it's not necessarily completely accessible Uh, have you tried that with ocr of any kind have you been able to get any of that to work with ocr
2: i haven't actually tried that yet i'm sure some person could figure out how to automatically run you know ocr on each frame or something I don't know how even if you got that to work, though, you would figure out where your focus was, like which option you were yeah. pointing to or which value you'd selected. But it would be better than nothing if you could get it to work. It would work, give you so an anyway.
1: idea. I was just, I that that's a possibility. It's one that I haven't tried, but it's one that I would like to at some point.
0: Especially if you could tell which ones were underlined so you knew which keys you could do. Ah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Without, you know, when I used to work at the state, one of the things we did was we standardized on computers for this reason because if somebody couldn't, we had sighted low vision and blind individuals out in the field. And if you couldn't see it, we were able to at least still say, you know, F two for this or arrow over three times. Cause we would cheat sheet. We'd go over to the computer that they were using out in the field and try and replicate, or mm. we had written down commands. So we could troubleshoot in the field with people and, uh, Yeah, (laughs) it was a lot harder back then uh, to do some of those things. And, uh, you know, one of the ways that you can get around some of the things like virus protection, uh, if if you don't want McAfee or one of those things that are on your computer and you don't care about some of the stuff that came with your computer, if you're not a big fan of whatever bloatware, depending on your maker, came with it. You could always go into Windows, then go over to recovery, and then reset the computer back to factory defaults. In this case, it would actually go back to Windows 10 defaults. So you'd lose a lot of that pre-installed software. Yeah, but in some cases, that might get rid of the inaccessible uh, way to get rid of the software, software on the computer, which can be a real pain. Uh, We've talked a lot about uh, computers today. Let's come around to some final thoughts, if you guys don't mind. Uh, What have you learned from the process? Would you do it again? Would you consider doing it again? Is it your new way of doing it when you have to replace a computer in the future? Or if you knew someone who was going to get one as a gift this holiday season, what are some thoughts you would recommend before uh, they go ahead and take the plunge?
1: Well, as far as I'm concerned, I love this machine, except for the lack of the six-pack. That was kind of a bummer. The speed, the way it handles is just lovely. You know, I can load however many Google Chrome tabs. You know, that's your benchmark now. How many Google Chrome tabs can you run? Four? Well, then you probably only have eight exactly. gigs of RAM. No, it's not quite that bad, but it's not fucking <laughs> up. And it, it runs great. It's uh, It does exactly what I need it to do in the footprint that I want it. I just wish it had that six-pack. I mean, I can use an external keyboard, and I probably will when I get settled and some other things happen. But, you know, if I had it to do it all over again, I probably would have spent the extra couple hundred bucks and gotten the slightly larger models, the 15-inch one. Uh, That's honestly my only real complaint about this process is that one thing about the keyboard, which is kind of major, to be fair. But I've found a way to work around it, and I'm okay with it now. That I've, you know, like I said, if anybody but me tries to use it, they'll be horribly confused. But that's okay, because nobody else is going to use it. So I don't really care.
2: Alex? I guess... For recommendations for others, Um, if you're going to buy a pre-built, well, I'll say it this way. If you're going to build your own, be very sure that you do a lot of research and that you understand what you're getting into. (laughs) As I said, going into this, I knew a lot, but I still, this was the first modern AMD system I built. So I had no idea at first how the, say, the backplate for the CPU socket was supposed to go on or, you know, just weird little things like that that I had to figure out know the return policies of the places, places you buy from so that if you do break something or you touch something you shouldn't touch or bend pins or whatever it is, you know what your options might be. If you're uncomfortable with playing with all this stuff and it's just kind of not your cup of tea, don't be afraid to, do, to go rebuild. I mean, the other two on this show have definitely shown that that's a great option as well. But even then, especially if you're buying for someone else, know what they're going to use it for and kind of get an idea of what would be enough for that. And what would be way overkill? And, you know, you don't want to spend three times or four times as much as you need to, if all they're going to be doing is Google docs and email. And you know your target too. You that know.
0: was a, that was a good point because uh, what Patrick said about Best Buy, it, I, I want to jump there and say, uh if you don't want to deal with putting it back in the box and sending it, you just want to go back to Best Buy mm. and say here, or um, I just returned something to Best Buy just a little while ago and printing out the label, Giving it back to UPS, having them come out to the house, get it and run, you know, that that's an easy process as well and simple to do with a screen reader. Amazon, uh, you can actually drop things off at Kohl's if you have that as a possibility. Of course, you can also do a return the same way with Amazon, which will make life a little easier. Uh, that 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 will give you a little bit more of a, a thought process. Don't be afraid to go ahead and read reviews. Look specifically for that model. If you can figure it out, go to the website, look for the model number or look for the configuration you're looking for, and then read reviews, uh, whether it be Tom's Hardware, ratings.com, you know, The Verge, what have you, uh, to get an idea of what people feel like the case is like, what the feeling of the keyboard is like, but also put it through the filter of that. If you're buying a gaming laptop, you're going to get a gamer's perspective on it. And their perspective is sometimes not an everyday approach to how a computer (laughs) would work or what you would want it to do. I found myself liking the things about my laptop that they hated. They couldn't stand. It It is what they wanted in a gaming laptop. And that's kind of because Lenovo marketed it, As a all rounder, it met everybody's needs and it may not make everybody happy on some functions, but it should make everyone happy for an everyday kind of use. And you'll see that with monitors a lot. If you go to buy a monitor, you'll see people say, you know, this is a great office monitor, but it's not a great monitor for those who are creating things in various, you know, forms, if they're trying to do YouTube videos or HDR or something like that, that's a whole nother show for another time. Uh, Cause it gets really confusing on that front. I want to thank Alex for coming by and jumping in and uh, talking about this. I had a lot of fun trading information back and forth with Alex during the process. Uh, we had a lot of conversations, a lot of Linus tech tip videos to go back and forth on and it was it was a great passage of information uh, between us and uh, Alex where can people find you if they want to learn more about some of the things you've talked about or some of your other exploits Yeah
2: well Twitter is probably the best place to get a hold of me I don't really do you know the Facebook or anything like that My username I'm hoping you'll link because it's kind of weird with screen readers it's uh, MEHGCAP that's the best place to get a hold of me directly I also do a lot with Apple I do um, you know a lot of the event write ups and things like that so my writing is mostly on there as well especially the Apple related stuff and uh, that's mostly what I'm up to nowadays I'm not doing a whole lot else in the uh, general community these days.
0: Well I appreciate your time and I really I mean we should have had you on sooner I mean you name the thing we really should have had you on sooner <laughs> I I apologize for that well, no uh you've been a, a kind of a secretive beetle uh amongst us for a long time and uh it's great to have you on the show finally and thank you for coming on and talking about your process yeah, well
2: thanks for inviting me it was a lot of fun
0: you know we appreciate mr patrick purdue who makes this show oh wait you're here
2: yeah it, it oh, wait I, I don't have to go through that turns spiel. out i am actually here how about that
0: yeah that's kind of wild <laughs> Patrick, where can people find you, and what do you talk about when you're not doing, well, this show? Well, uh,
1: Twitter, again, is probably the best way to find me. Boris in a box with two R's, because having only one R is boring, and boring only has one R. So, one of the things that I've been doing lately, I've been kind of involved with blind amateur radio operators. I've been a ham for 27 years, and I've uh, kind of been maintaining a multi-mode digital and analog system. You can find out more about that at blindhams.com. I don't run the website, but I do. A lot of the other stuff behind the scenes, there's a Twitter for that as well. And uh, mostly I just kind of random stuff. I I do weird mashups occasionally, apparently, and uh, some other odd things. So check my Twitter to see what I'm up to. And that's pretty much all I got. If you have any other
0: questions or ideas or, hey, you guys got it completely wrong. Feedback at blindbargains.com. That's feedback at blindbargains.com. You can also catch some of the show notes over at blindbargains.com under the podcast section. You'll find some of the information that I have there with some ideas about choosing a docking station and some ideas about uh, what, what the integrated video card is and isn't now in 2020 and some more interesting links that I'll put there as well. You remember, you can find out more about these things, including the links that are in the show notes. Over on my Twitter feed, that's Ranger Station, all one word, Ranger Station on Twitter. We'd like to thank everybody for their time. Uh, we couldn't possibly cover everything about this subject. Honestly, we could have talked for a lot longer, but that that's a window show of another kind, as JJ likes to remind me. So uh, that goes back to single digits. These window shows end up being kind of long. <laughs> yeah, I want to stop it here so I don't get, you know, talked about for another couple of. <laughs> hundred shows anyway <laughs> thanks for your time i appreciate it everybody uh, it was a good time uh, and uh, remember uh, if you have an opportunity to uh, go ahead and buy something let us know to tell us all about that and if it really stinks you can always put it on blind bargains in the classified section no i'm kidding I'm, I'm totally kidding thanks everybody have a great day see you this has been another blind bargains
1: audio podcast Visit blindbargains.com for the latest deals, news, and exclusive content. This podcast may not be retransmitted, sold, or reproduced without the express written permission of AT Guys. Copyright 2020. Let's see what this thing actually looks like before I put the other box in it. This is actually not the case that the new one's going to go in, ironically. No, I'm just not gonna put the new box in this case. It's going in an old case.
2: Well, why'd you get the case?
1: Cause I'm rebuilding the old box uh. and the new one at the same time.
2: NX6200 case.
1: That would be one motherboard. And there's crap in it.
0: Well, I'm Orange Boy with crap in
1: it. Yeah. What crap's in it? Um, cables. I guess I'm not sure what comes with it. I have to get a power supply for it, though. I thought I had one, and I didn't.
2: Bad be for you. Yeah. ATX power supply. Yep. Will they have ATX for sure.
1: Well, I would hope so. It's kind of like the standard for everything. Uh. And we will say 300 watts. Yeah.